Welcome to She's Running. This is the podcast dedicated to talking to women who are running for office locally, nationally, and everything in between. I'm Emily Jackson. Today, I've got Dr. Christine Edie Mann, a physician from Texas, running for U.S. Congress. And if you're keeping track, that's three women running for Congress in Texas. And truth be told, that's not even all of them. I'm going to get a bit real here for a sec. This past week, I consumed some media in both written and podcast form that made me really think about my privilege. I acknowledge my privilege, I think, but I have been trying to do more than that. Frequently acknowledging privilege comes with a modifier. I'm white, but I'm a woman, so my college was over 99% white, but I was a sociology major, so I'm straight, but some of my closest, you know. So this past week, I've been naming my privilege more than acknowledging it, which kind of seems like a shrug, but naming it and then sitting in the stillness of that awareness. This has happened in private to myself because that's how I am, but I will tell you it's been real. I feel like I'm more aware of myself and the way that I present to the world. Sometimes I feel hyper aware of myself and sometimes I feel like I'm taking wobbly baby giraffe steps into a world that I'm not familiar with. It's hard to listen to someone's lived experience and not chime in. It's hard to know that there are things that I have not, nor will I ever experience. It's hard to acknowledge that things happen that have nothing to do with me. I mean, obviously I know that, but okay, see, I just did it again. I'm a work in progress. Bear with me. All right, enough about me. I literally just said it's not all about me. So let's get to who today's episode is all about. Dr. Christine Edie Mann. So in my research about you, I found something that I really liked on your <laughs> webpage. Okay. You have an Optimus Prime quote. Yes. On the first <laughs> line of your biography. I do. Which is fantastic. And I would love to know the story behind that. So there are quotes throughout my last several years, I would say, that just kind of stand out to me and that I kind of put in the back of my head. And uh, that one was one of them. And when I was starting to make the decision that I wanted to run, it came to mind because I had thought about running for office for quite a long time. It's a discussion that my husband had, had and I have had off and on. Um, the original idea was that I would wait till I retired from my medical practice and mm -hmm. then pursue politics. And then the 2016 elections intervened. And right. I said, you know what, this is my time. This is what I have to do. And, and that's what that quote is about, that this was not the time that I would have originally chosen to run, but it is the time that I need to do this. I love it. It's great. <laughs> I, I, I got some flack from some family members about posting that, but I was like, I don't care what the, <laughs> what the origin is. I love the quote. It speaks to me. I'm putting it on there. And it, it really gives like, you know, it's not just your standard like boilerplate biography. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So before we get too far into our conversation here, we should probably introduce you officially. So who are you and for what are you running? So my name is Dr. Christine Edie Mann. It's a lot of words and a lot of <laughs> names, and I know that. And the reason for that is that 
My medical license is listed as Dr. Edie, so I've got 3,000 patients who know me as Dr. Edie, and my marriage mm-hmm. license is Christine Mann, so I have all my personal contacts who know me as uh, Christine Mann. So we put those all together and uh, as a way so that everyone who knows me from whatever setting would be able to um, recognize that, that that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm a family practitioner. I've been in practice for 18 years. I am running for United States Congress uh, in Texas Congressional District 31. And you are actually the third Texas woman that I've talked to that is running for Congress. <laughs> That's so awesome. it is very exciting. Yes. <laughs> Things are happening here. Yes, in you Texas. know, and, and and across the country, you know, one of the things that I've been talking about as I uh, go forward with this uh, campaign is that women have really stepped up in the last several months. We've had uh, the reports that Emily's List has gotten eleven thousand inquiries from mm-hmm. women who are interested in running. Um, we've got the Women's March uh, that was so huge, the largest protest as long as they've been looking at protests. And we've got the statistics showing that 86% of calls that are going into Congress to um, discuss issues that are going on are being made by women. So Mm -hmm. I really do think that this is a a huge uprising of women saying, okay, we have got to step into this arena and we have got to be a part of this conversation um, or else we are not going to be properly represented in government. So where is your district? Where is Texas 31? It comprises two counties. There's a couple of districts in this area that are crazy, weirdly drawn because of gerrymandering. Um, mm-hmm. But in my area, it's basically two districts north of Austin, uh, or I'm sorry, two counties north of Austin. Williamson County is directly north. Uh, the cities that are in um, Williamson County are Cedar Park, Leander, Round Rock, Taylor and Liberty Hill. uh, And then the next county north of uh, Williamson County is Bell County. Mm -hmm. And Bell Bell County, the largest cities are Colleen and uh, Belton. Okay. Austin is pretty blue. It's like the one of the true blue places in Texas. So yes, is, is your district purple? Is it red? Is it still blue? What's what's it look like? It is, it is red. Uh, okay. Cook's, Cook's Political has it as an R plus 12. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. But that closed from the previous numbers. And so what we're seeing in the southern part of my district is a movement of that blue from Austin northward. And just this past weekend, we had a local election series that produced tremendous results for Democrats in the counties. We had uh, multiple women run and win. Uh, We didn't win every seat we wanted to, but we came close in another couple besides the five that did win. Mm -hmm. And um, it was powered by Democrats getting out and being motivated and doing the work to get the vote to the polls. And we doubled the turnout from previous years. Previously for local May elections, you get less than 5% of the electorate turning out. We got close to 10%. And that was solely from us 
working our butts off for <laughs> it, it. We did. We worked so hard for these candidates uh, with phone calls and block walking. I served as a volunteer coordinator on one of the campaigns and, mm-hmm. and my, my candidate won three to one in her, wow. in her race. Yeah. She got 72% of the votes so, or maybe 76. It was a lot. So um, yeah, we worked really hard to get these women elected and we had uh, such a good turnout. And it, it gave me a lot of um, hope that one of the keys is turnout, that we really need to stay motivated and, and get people moving and that women can be the leaders in that regard. So let's talk about the fact that you are a actual practicing doctor. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I now am. you've decided to jump into politics. Yes. Why would you leave your medical practice to jump into this nonsense. Right. Well, I mean, first, it's been an interest of mine for a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. any, anyone who knows me well knows that I'm constantly talking about politics. I obsessively read about it. I've been a, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been a volunteer voter registrar for almost a decade. I've done mm-hmm. block walking and phone calling and all of that for years. So it's always been an interest of mine. But I, I really believe that Um, physicians, particularly women physicians, are excellent choices for being legislators because we have not just the piece where we're bringing as a woman to the table, but this experience we have in science and medicine really prepares us for the kind of work that needs to be done. Um, Right now, one of the biggest issues, of course, is the healthcare issue. And Mm -hmm. I've been on the front lines of problems with for my patients for 18 years. I saw what it was like before the Affordable Care Act. I had patients coming in begging me not to put certain words and diagnoses in their records because they were so worried about um, having a pre-existing condition. Mm-hmm on their record. Um, I saw what happened when the Affordable Care Act went into place and people would come in after years of not having had the ability to get their issues treated. And now I'm seeing that fear come back. One of my partners said he had someone just in the last couple of days come in again, begging, please don't put this on my record because it's going to be listed as a pre-existing condition and I'm afraid of what's going to happen. So I think physicians have a huge amount of expertise to help with this particular problem that encompasses one sixth of our economy. We, we need more physicians writing this legislation. Beyond that, the scientific background that we have, the critical thinking skills helps us with environmental issues and um, with scientific approaches to climate change and even voting rights. There's scientific data that can show us how to un-gerrymander districts. All we've got to do is put it into place. We see the effects of poverty on patients. So a physician background not only impacts issues having to do with straight health care law, but it has to do with many, many other uh, legislative issues that we are dealing with. I talked to a woman last week, Molly Sheehan, on the podcast, and she is a scientist running for office. And I, awesome. I really loved our conversation. And What I got out of it was that people with scientific backgrounds, you know, they go into a conversation like healthcare or the environment or, you know, redistricting, looking for 
looking for the answer, looking for the solution, rather than looking for the win, right. which is almost foreign in our political climate now. Right, right. And what's interesting is as I started to develop my policies that I've got on my website, I found out that there are solutions to many of these issues. The work has already be, been done. Mm -hmm. The solutions exist. It's a matter of getting people in who are willing to look at the solutions and say, okay, how do we implement this? Rather than continuing to try and, and reinvent the wheel, we can use the information that we've already got in the scientific realm to address these issues. You mentioned the election motivating you to run now. Yes. How is it seeing what's happening with healthcare and being a practicing doctor? I mean, you, you mentioned different things that you're seeing your patients talk about and issues they're having. I mean, is it just, are you able to talk to them about insurance policy? like? I know you probably only have like 10 minutes with them. <laughs> Are you able to get any kind of, you know, conversation happening? Yes. I've been having those conversations for quite a while, uh -huh. actually. Um, you know, where I'm at, obviously, I mentioned it's a, a Republican plus 12 district. So I have quite a few people who vehemently disagree with me in terms of um, solutions and policies and mm -hmm. so forth. And uh, I've got one um, interesting lady who would very much be described as a tea party type person and mm -hmm. she will not let us take her vital signs at times because she's worried that that's going to go into a government database and be used against her <laughs> and she would come in and say i i have heard that doctors are denying care to elderly people because the government tells them that they can't get that kind of care for them and i i've had to explain over and over again that's not true and she and i have a very good rapport Mm -hmm. um, and I, I will say to her, I promise you, you, you know me, you've been my patient for a very long time. If that were ever to happen, I will fight with you to make that mm -hmm. not be the case. This is not what's happening. Um, you know, the government makes for instance, with Medicare, provides guidelines and they do have things that, you know, there are higher deductibles and harder access, but it's not across the board. It's not like there's someone in government saying, okay, we're not going to pay for that treatment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I've been having those kinds of conversations with patients all along. Today, I had a, a lady in who she's scared to death. She just is like, I don't know what to do. Every day I am panicking about what's going to happen. I've had to put people on medication because they've been so distressed and so fearful about what they're going to be facing with not just healthcare, but other policies of this administration. So it's been an ongoing conversation that I've had with people for a long time. Well, other than healthcare reform, obviously, yes. what are some of your core issues? So um, voting rights is really important to me. One of the projects I'm going to be working on on part of my campaign is trying to get lists of voters who have been purged from the voting rolls in my district. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to uh, enlist my volunteers to become voter registrars. And we're going to reach out to those people um, and try and see if we can get people re-registered and, and back into the system. One of my contacts believes that they're going to be able to get that information for me. So voting rights is really important. I, I, I think we should have 
much easier access, same day registration, online registration. I can sign a mortgage online. Why can't <laughs> I register to vote? You know, so um, voting uh, rights is very important. Women's rights, uh, you know, that's an obvious one for women. The, the issue with women's rights is that the, the discussion gets so muddied and so cloudied and, and uh, clouded, especially where abortion is concerned. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I talk about a lot in my campaign is that we have a situation where government is not representative of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've got, and you're well aware with what you do, that fewer than 20% of seats in government are held by women. And that's not an anti-man statement to say, we represent 50% of the population, we should represent 51% of those seats. Mm-hmm. And I, I read some data that it's going to be a hundred years before we get to that parity. If we keep on the course that we are, we need more women to step up. So women in government is a big piece for me, along with people of color, bringing more people into the system so that, that uh, we are better represented at all levels of government. Immigration reform in terms of recognition that these are people we're talking about. Um, it's so easy to demonize and I just, it breaks my heart seeing families that are being broken up and, you know, stories about people who have been here for decades and, and, uh, you know, being deported, um, despite the fact that they are not a risk to anyone. So, you know, I, I've got interest in a, in a wide range of, of issues. Environmental issues are, are huge for me, um, climate change, we've got to do something. Um, And the solutions exist. You know, we've got a a piece of our district, a very Republican city right here in my district that converted to 100% renewable fuel for their electric needs in the city. Um, If that can be done in a Republican district, there's no reason why we can't expand that. You know, they found cost-effective incentives and ways to do it that appealed to everybody, and they they did it. So, again, a lot of these solutions exist. We just have to find a way to to discuss them with people and get people on board and, and enact them. What has the process of running been like for you so far? Interesting. Well, um, so I started approaching people about it several months ago, and because we had these local elections going on, there really wasn't a lot of support for for getting going, and I just decided that I needed to start building some infrastructure and um, putting my policies and my website and everything together, and I've started talking to people about it and, you know, did my FEC filing. And I did all of this on my own um, because there's just no people who are willing to do that work for free. You know, they they deserve to get paid just like everybody else mm-hmm. does. And, and when you're first um, running a campaign, you really have to kind of fly by the seat of your pants. So that's been challenging putting that all together. But as the process has uh, evolved, I'm getting contacted by people that I just didn't even know existed. I I put a tweet out one day and a gentleman from Washington, D.C. contacted me and he said, 
I'm a huge Democrat. I know everybody. I've got tons of contacts in your area. Let me connect you to all these people. Mm -hmm. And he connected me to half a dozen or more people who are now, um, you know, offering help. And so there's been little fits and starts like that where I'll get a flood of interest and then, um, you know, a few days where nothing goes on. Um, (laughs) I I had a big boost uh, uh, last week when I... Uh, posted my story on Pantsuit Nation, and mm-hmm. that post got I got seventy three thousand likes and sixty six hundred comments. That's amazing. And I know I was just blown away by that. So you know, stuff like that. I, I was actually in Mexico at the time when I <laughs> when the, when the post went live with virtually no internet service, and my phone started blowing up with uh, no- notifications. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I think I went live on Pantsuit Nation. <laughs> So, you know, but just like everybody else, you know, you hear over and over from uh, people running that, you know, fundraising is is super challenging. Um, Knowing how to structure a campaign when you really haven't done it before is very challenging. And, And, you know, trying to figure out how to proceed, you know, what's my next step? What's the thing I do next? Um, that, that presents some obstacles. I, I just can't imagine working full time. You've got a family <laughs> and then also adding on top of that, like running for office and doing all these things. How do you, how do you even find the time? Well, well let me tell you something about going to medical school and internship <laughs> and residency. So I started medical school as the single mother of a five-year-old child. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then during uh, my training, I got pregnant two more times. So I was pregnant and breastfeeding two more times during um, internship and residency, working 36-hour shifts very frequently. So, um, And then then I started my practice as the mother of a newborn, a two-year-old, and a 13-year-old, a brand-new teenager. So I'm well-versed in figuring out how to fit things in here and there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, compared to med school, this has got to be a piece of cake. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, I've been in practice long enough that, um, you know, and I've been at the the particular place place that I'm at long enough that I've got a routine here and I know how things run. You know, there are obviously challenges uh, dealing with patients in times where someone needs a tremendous amount of attention, but a lot of things are, are pretty straightforward. So um, I've been using my lunch break. Uh, you know, I answer emails or I do meetings at lunch and I've got meetings scheduled virtually every single night. Um, as well as weekends. And um, for me, I've thrived on it. I I have loved getting to know people and going to these small meetings where I'm meeting 10 or 12 or 15 Democrats who are so fired up uh, and so supportive. And um, so it hasn't been, I'm tired, don't get me wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it's been more energizing and more positive than it has been um, draining. So um, some days are, are more challenging. I was up till two in the morning one day and that was that was pretty tough the next day. But, you know, most of the time, you know, I, I spend two or three hours when I'm not working devoted to the campaign during the week and then my afternoon off and weekends, uh, several hours during those those times. What do people or what do you need most right now for your campaign? Is it volunteers? Is it exposure? 
Some of the people that have come out running have a villain as their opponent, like Jason Chavitz and, and mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Allen, who is um, challenging him. Um, he, you know, Jason Chavitz is loud and boisterous and he's on the news all the time. And so everybody knows who he is and everybody mm -hmm. jumped in to support her as soon as she uh, announced her bid. Um, the gentleman that I'm running against is quiet and runs below the radar, but he says things like, whatever Donald Trump says, I believe him. Um, and he's voted 100% of the time with Donald Trump. And he, he actually kicked me out. Well, um, he will know his office will no longer allow me to come and um, visit there. I, I had organized groups of people through Indivisible to come and talk about policy issues. Mm -hmm. We had, two, we had two very productive meetings. We know that they're not going to agree with us. But I had two groups of women, we went and we talked and we sat down and and it was very um, empowering to be able to give our opinions to our elected representatives. But after the second meeting, they said, we're sorry, we have heard everything we need to hear from you and you may not come and, and have appointments with us any longer. So wow. you know, that's kind yeah, that's the attitude. And, and he won't hold town hall meetings. He does teletown halls where the questions are screened and... So there's no access uh, in any real sense. Um, so, you know, he, he's who I'm running against, but he's not vocal about it. And, and so it, the exposure, I don't have something I can point to on a national mm -hmm. level and say, hey, this is the dude I'm challenging. So that lack of exposure has been um, uh, really frustrating. I, I'm also in Texas. I'm in North mm -hmm. Texas. And mm -hmm. I haven't heard of really any of our representatives holding town halls? Yeah, um, it's really rare. It's really rare that any of them are holding town hall meetings. It's a source of frustration for everybody. Mm -hmm. So um, it's definitely not unique to my district. It's, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. So where can people find you either online or in person if they want to get involved? So my uh, website is christineforcongress.com, and the four is a number four. So christine4congress.com. And uh, on my webpage, I have got links to become a volunteer. I've got um, links to donate. I've got all my policy positions and so forth. And I'm also on Facebook. Same thing, Christine for Congress on Facebook. And we've got some planning in the works that we're going to hold our own town halls. Um, we had a discussion uh, among the, the leadership group that is helping me, um, the volunteers that have, have stepped up to do that, that if, if our representative won't hold town halls, then the person running against them will. So mm -hmm. that'll be in the works for later in the year. Well, that sounds great. I'm excited about your campaign. I love that you. you're a, a scientist and you've got that <laughs> data mind behind your campaign here. So I I'm, would like to check back in when you're down the road a little bit. That would be fantastic. I would love that. Well, thanks for talking to me. Yes. And don't forget, everyone, christineforcongress.com. <laughs> That's right. And uh, I'll, I'll put that link up on the, the show notes for this podcast. That's awesome. All right. Thanks. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you to Dr. Christine Edie Mann for talking to me. You can find out more about Christine's campaign on her website, christineforcongress.com. That's christine, the number four, congress.com.
I'll link to her page, her Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages on she'srunningpod.com. Thanks for listening to She's Running. You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at at She's Running Pod. You can usually find me on Twitter. So if you've got a question, comment, suggestion, you know, whatnot, hit me up at at She's Running Pod. Rate, review, and subscribe to She's Running on iTunes. And tell a friend about the show. I know you're out all weekend with other awesome women who are trying to make the world a better place. So do me a favor and tell one or two of them to tune in. On the pod next week, I've got Zofia Rahner, who is running for Phoenix City Council District 6 and has a really interesting story. I'm not going to tell it, so you just have to come back next week. (laughs) Okay, that's it for this week. Thanks. Talk to you soon.